We didn't fight over who should live and who should die. Uh, we, we waited for orders. And then finally, some lieutenant comes down and she just starts pointing. She's pointing at me. Why, why me? I'm just some dipshit from Chicago. Now I'm lucky number 10. She didn't even count herself. Get in, she says. That's an order. I know, I know, I know. I asked myself the same thing. Make a mistake. Hello, and welcome to Strange New Takes. I'm your host, Notch Garnick, and with me interrupting my lunch are Adam Bowen. Emily Bowen Marler. And Rudy Baker. Welcome to Strange New Takes. Today we'll be sharing a recap of Picard Season 3, Episode 4, No Win Scenario. And do remember to follow us on social media at Strange New Takes on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, do tell your friends about this podcast. And do remember to give us a five-star rating on your favorite uh, podcast app like uh, apple Podcasts. oh and uh this is the point where i need to make sure to uh let you know we're about to spoil this episode and believe you me this episode has lots of things that happen in it uh and it might be <laughs> worth watching this thing before you actually listen to us talking about it uh so yeah we're, we're gonna be spoiling this one we'll probably spoil other ones too and we might speculate about things and maybe spoil that accidentally too so uh join us all right this week we're going to be talking about the star trek picard episode no win scenario it is the fourth episode of season three of star trek picard as emily told us earlier it first aired the day after my birthday 9th march 2023 it was written by terry metallis and sean Treader. it was directed by who else jonathan frakes in the in-universe date was 78183.10 and it transpired in 2396 and 2401 it's kind of cool that we have a star date that transcends two years, several that are several years apart from one another. Well, five years specifically. Anyway, well, as we always do, before we jump in, we give you the episode summary. With time running out, Picard, Riker, and crew must confront the sins of their past and heal fresh wounds, while the Titan dead in the water drifts helplessly towards certain destruction within a mysterious space anomaly. Has the person who heard this heard about full stops? Because <laughs> you could have changed several commas in this run-on sentence <laughs> to a full stop and we'd have been okay anyway well we always start with our strange new takes i'm gonna start with my strange new take this time my strange new take is pretty simple can you fucking stop snowing please for the love of god <laughs> like I, I can't keep going outside every morning and be like oh look there's two inches of snow that's what it feel has felt like for three months in minnesota every single day so please somebody like, go run your car idling outside your house or something. Let's speed up this whole global warming fucking thing and <laughs> get it over with, okay? Anyway, in less less confrontational stuff, my strange new take for this episode is 
fuck, Jonathan Frakes can act, yo. Like, <laughs> the man can fucking show yeah. up. Holy shit, is all I gotta say. We'll just leave it at that. Uh, happy birthday, by the way. What? Thank you. Yeah, happy birthday. Yeah. Uh, let's see. My, my strange new take for uh, real life is... Uh, Dang, it took me like 16 days to uh, actually have my COVID uh, show up as negative in a test. So uh, <laughs> people aren't kidding that that thing can go a good deal longer than the 10 days or whatever. Uh, so that's fun. Uh, for the episode, uh, I think this uh, uh, Picard season three is shaping up to be my favorite Star Trek movie. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, let's keep I like going. That, I like that. <laughs> Um, so for me, strange new take, um, a caution to our listeners. I mean, have a bit of a lisp because I have a weird tongue ulcer and Ouch, I, hate I, can't, those. I can't speak properly, but then I also thought about mm. it, um, being an expat in the United States, having grown up in India, um, I noticed, I've noticed often that I, and I've seen a lot of other Indians do it to switch accents. Um, in in different conversations with different people, and then just once in a while, get them confused, and something nonsensical comes out. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, add a lisp to that due to a tongue ulcer. Oh, no. um, my strange new take for sci-fi in general is: if any of you have heard of or read the book um, by Carl Sagan called Pale Blue Dot. A vision of the human future in space, um, and you like it, know that there aren't hard copies of that being sold anymore, or at least um, none that I can find. I want to buy that book for my shelf. I haven't read it yet. Um, I recently saw um, um, the documentary on Oppie, which I really, really liked, and there was a lot of Sagan inspiration in that. Um, so yeah, if anybody knows of a hardback copy um, in print, not a used one, for a pale blue dot, um, um, write to us and let me know. And then for this episode, so um, I really liked the changeling liquid form of like, you know, melted gold, right? That was really nice. Um, melted metal. Whatever. Wasn't gross looking. I, I don't like this bacon version right now. <laughs> it's not making sense to me. Yeah. I, I always I worry that it sort of will turn into some kind of like last of us kind of gruesome thing. Um, but uh, uh, let's see how it goes. I, I mean, if I think about it as bacon, it might be more appetizing. So <laughs> I, uh, I'll, I'll try to start thinking about it as bacon and then I'll get hungry while watching the show. <laughs> Okay, well, I'm just going to piggyback on other people's things for my strange new takes in life. The first one is I have the tendency to pick up people's accents accidentally when I'm talking with them. I'm not always worried that people are going to think I'm like not making fun, but like I, I don't mean to do it. Um, I really don't mean to do it. My, I am the worst offender in Wisconsin. But because um, for whatever reason, that one just, you know, it like yeah. clings to my body or something. Cause maybe because I was born there. I don't know. <laughs> but it's like you must talk like <laughs> you're from Wisconsin now. But anyway, um, and uh, 
and I was going to say, oh, and then this one kind of touches on Adams. I So we didn't have COVID in our house recently, but we've had adenovirus. Good God, that thing clings and stays on forever. It is stupid. So like, I mean, a full three weeks of coughing and sore throat and ridiculousness. <laughs> anyway, so it's almost Oof. gone. So that's good. Um, I mean, I was never terribly sick with it. It was just like, you know, this thing that didn't go yeah. away. My I'd rather not be take. sick for three weeks, yeah. I know, it sucks. My strange new take for the episode is this may be the best, if not one of the best. One of the best, if not the best Star Trek episode I've ever seen. As far as like, on the whole, good television, but also really encapsulating the spirit of what Star Trek is and brought a tear to my eye and anyway, not to spoil my rating, but anyway, it was just, I couldn't resist after I Three saw this five. episode. I had to, <laughs> I had to text my brother immediately um, after I finished that episode. Cause I, and I mean, I, I turned to Travis right after I was like, that was really good. <laughs> Travis was like, yeah, yeah, it was real good. <laughs> we, I mean, and we're not always in agreement. So anyway, <clears throat> it was pretty bleak though. But it wasn't. I mean, yes, yes, it was. But it what? That's the thing. Mm-hmm. That's what was. I, I. That's part of what was so good about it was. I just felt like anyway. Yeah. No. It was. It was good. No, I no, thought no. it was pretty I, bleak. I, 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 I was. I was like. I, I was being genuine. I wasn't trying to be, do a gotcha there. I was mm-hmm. like, for me, it was was. I think I think when I think bleakness, I think it's like the characters like fighting with one another. It's like the, the difference between the West Wing's first three four seasons and the three seasons that came after. Suddenly the family mm-hmm. turned into infighting. Like uh but maybe you're thinking about it more from like a universal standpoint. Yes. Whereas I'm I'm more concerned with the the bleakness between the characters. I don't dislike it, by the way. But anyway. But I will say, so I just want to touch on that. I feel like some of the bleakness between the characters got resolved. Hmm. I mean, it it got amplified between some, it got resolved between others, and while it may not have been fully resolved in other instances, it felt like there were little, um, little dots of hope that were kind Mm -hmm. of coming out of it. So anyway, I just, I didn't feel like anything left. I don't think it was left. I did not leave that episode feeling devastated about everything. I felt devastated about one yeah. thing, but, but every, but the other stuff, I felt like there were little glimmers of, um, like, like this, this story still has good and, and this isn't a hopeless mm-hmm. situation. So. Yeah. No, yeah. I agree. It, it, it's making me think about how like season two of Picard was getting into like, maybe we're exploring, uh, what if Picard actually like engages with his past and what if he like opens himself up to being uh, able to have a relationship with people? And this season seems like it's like everybody deal with your problems by talking to each other. Uh, and like like Emily said, I, I think uh, maybe thinking particularly of like Shaw, like I, I, I think there are several instances where characters like brought up their shit with each other and it's opening up a potential for um, resolving some of that in interesting ways. Mm-hmm. And notice how they just did it and didn't tell us they were doing it and then didn't go, yay, science at the end and give each other. Okay, sorry. <laughs> yes. I wasn't See, there for nice. last week. I know, come I on. wasn't there for last week. I didn't get to like, <laughs> I'm sorry. We wouldn't okay? have some of the best Star <laughs> yes, Trek we've ever had right. if it you're, were not for yes, Discovery. Yes, so. yes, you <laughs> yes. are all correct. 100%. We are all grateful. You are 100% correct. I think 
And it's funny, you know, when I was on this Trek BBS back in the day, the biggest annoyance that I had, like I hated these people, there was this big DS9 Voyager rivalry where all the Niners hated us and like we Voyager fans hated the Niners back and their biggest argument was, we don't hate Voyager, we just think it has so much more potential that wasn't realized. And now that's where I am with Discovery. So, uh, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. Okay, sorry. I, I I really shouldn't. I really shouldn't be so mean to to Discovery. They they did good stuff, and it, it is a good show. And um, yeah, other nice things to to make up for what I just said. Okay, um, let's get back to this one, and and talk about the events. Somewhat chronologically, I'm gonna try to do this. There's just a lot that happened here, so mm-hmm. I need to I need to kind of see how this goes. First of all, there was this big motif across the board of just being at the bar a whole bunch, uh, 10 forward, which is it's kind of weird that Guinan isn't in the show at this point. Yeah. It's like, why are we not bringing her in? Like, Picard, especially with Riker and Picard dealing with a lot of heavy stuff. Like, isn't that kind of a great occasion to bring Guinan in? But at the same time, I'm like, where would they have fit her into this episode? It's just so full of stuff. So it's more just like a, yeah. kind of noticing the absence a tiny bit, but then moving on rather than it being some glaring issue or gap in my mind. Yeah, I, I could see them feeling like maybe it's not worth bringing her in f- so that she can have a minute and a half in like three episodes or something like that. Uh, whereas like she, she was at least like a bigger force in the previous season and like had some scenes of like being able to contribute a, a lot but yeah i i felt kind of similarly like i don't care about this uh random tellerite who's giving him like i i would i would love if guinan was handing him this drink even if it was like that was kind of it and then like knowing look or whatever but yeah it's not what we get i um i liked how png would um would very carefully and, and thoughtfully introduce Kynan in situations which were also bleak um, in mm-hmm. in uh, issues between the the bridge crew um, with, uh, you know, parties outside of the Enterprise. And so I missed her here. Um, yeah. I think in episodes she did do that two, three minutes or five minutes. Um, that was successful. I know it's it's a bigger deal here. Yeah, Best of Both you know, Worlds is a great season. example. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess it's a bigger deal here, and it may, it may have been harder to pull off because you know last season of Picard and everybody's here. But I I really did miss her, especially since they spent so much time in that uh, in that setup. Mm-hmm. But hey, if you're um in a ship with no hope, uh, losing power, guess what? The uh, holodeck has a separate uh, battery, so you can uh, <laughs> die in happiness. So I'll say this for that. This is this was a perpetual issue through Voyager, right? Like this was mm-hmm. 100% like why are why is Voyager which is having energy issues and like trying and conservation issues, why are they having so many people in the holodeck all the time? Like everyone seems to be having a great time and it's now been can canonically explained. So I, I'll grant them the premise. How about that? Like Bill says, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I I think what I've what I've liked is at several times this season, 
they've had things that are like kind of silly like that. It's like, no way can we power this thing. Like, or it doesn't make sense at all. And at least like the writers have thrown us the bone of like, yes, I know this doesn't make sense. Stop. <laughs> Just don't worry Just don't about, worry it. about <laughs> it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> all right. Well, we got to keep moving. Cause again, there's tons of stuff in this. So the motif in this episode is these, this group of ensigns ambushes Picard while he's trying to eat halibut. And then, um, make him tell them stories and we'll talk about what those stories are uh and and but it's kind of adorable right like okay old man getting like he's kind of grumpy at first but then he's like well back in my day uh you know <laughs> i don't like to tell i'm not much of a storyteller here pull up a chair and let me yeah. <laughs> share this whole tale with you also we got an explanation for that whole herogen thing where apparently like the herogen attacked Worf and picard and they had to work together to kill the alpha and like you know, overcome that. So, so, so we've had some hints of Herogen not in the Delta Quadrant and other shows, and now we've got a little bit more about that. I had forgotten I that like that was they... uh, something that happened. Go ahead, go ahead, Adam. Sorry. Oh, I I just forgotten that that that's been referenced in other shows. So I it, didn't it remember sort of that had been referenced. When was it referenced? So storytelling. It was in. It, there's been some. I believe there have been some Herogen references in Lower Decks, and then we had the planet Herogen. Or the Herogen system. Well, I do. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. I do remember the Herogen system. In, okay. In a place where yeah. maybe they weren't so far from the Alpha Quadrant. So, anyway, mm-hmm. there's now some like, they're, they're kind of bringing the Herogen as a concept into a little bit more light, which yeah. means that maybe yeah, they'll use fair. them somewhere in like Strange New World or something. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, well, so the next thing we get is basically last episode ended with this big conflict between Picard and Riker. It's like, what's going to happen? Maybe Picard, Riker's the changeling and that's why they're fighting. No, turns out they were actually, Riker was just kind of stressed out and mad and he's really sad and he's having marital problems and there's a lot in his mind, y'all, and back off. Like sometimes, you know, even close friends fight, okay? Um, But then they go and apologize to one another, sometimes with a little bit more force, like, shut up, listen to me. Um, but they make up and that's that's but that's a mark of good friends right sometimes you right. you have conflicts between yeah. your good friends but you always know when the right time is with those folks to go and make up and tell them what's right. important which in this case was go put your affairs in order right well and i so i can't remember if it was that scene or if it would have been when um riker was trying to record the um message to deanna but it, actually it could have been I think it may. I think he maybe said this to. I think it. I think it stemmed from this when he said to Picard that um, talking about when his son's casket was being lowered into the ground, and it yeah. was just nothing. Like it. It just felt. It might have been eternity, more. You know, not just six feet, but like, mm-hmm. and how he just felt. He has just felt nothing since then. And I started to realize. You know what? I think Frakes is suicidal, and he went on this adventure with Picard. Riker. R- mm-hmm. Riker, yeah. what did I say? Frakes. Yeah. You did. Sorry, you not Frakes. <laughs> Riker. I think he. I think he might yeah. be not totally, but I think he might be have some having some. I don't know suicidal ideation, and that was part of. It's like, well, at least he can go out in a blaze of glory, or some kind of. Yeah. Um, but then at the same time, but but not completely. Like I don't think he's making decisions yeah. that are going to lead to the end of his life because I think he also talks about wanting to protect. Um, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. he wanted to get the crew home and, and didn't want to put them in unnecessary danger, which that also kind of touches on um, Shaw as well. So you have two characters now in this episode that 
you know, really majorly traumatic events in their lives are informing how they captain and the decision, the decisions that they mm-hmm. make as captain. Mm-hmm. And they're actually similar decisions. Uh, I felt like, um, I almost said Frakes again. I felt like Riker. <laughs> I felt like Riker was actually making decisions similar to how Shaw would have been making them. And I didn't know. And, and I was wondering when I last episode, I was wondering if that was because he was trying, he was doing that on purpose recognizing that this was still Shaw's ship. And so maybe he should try Mm -hmm. to tap into some of that while he was serving as captain. But now I'm thinking it's, it's more a reflection on just how uh, Riker has internalized the trauma that he's experienced from losing his child. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I, 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 I'm, I'm really impressed with how they are weaving this in, in a, into this, like the storyline for this season. Cause I feel like it was definitely like, I, I mean, I loved Nepenthe. Like, that was a great episode in, in season one. But it, it felt like we didn't really uh, engage with it all that much uh, sort of since then. And uh, I I like seeing it really inform his character right now. Mm-hmm. The the other thing that we get from Freaks, or now I'm doing it, Riker <laughs> telling Picard this, is that it, it forces Picard to go and engage with Jack some more. And, mm-hmm. and to confront mm-hmm. their... Pro- like you were saying, Adam, that's one of the problems, right? Like, go take care of your shit. And Picard goes and A, politely asks Beverly to leave him and Jack alone, which is takes some, you know, doing for Picard to, to request specifically, yeah. like deliberately ask for some time. And then he takes him to 10 forward to have a drink with him. Uh, cheap whiskey, turns out, is Jack Crusher's drink of choice. <coughs> and... The Jack's like, oh, I don't need this. Like, uh, let's just talk about some basic stuff. And Picard's like, yeah, no, you know, we can we can talk about something kind of. Well, I, I kind of know where to start. How about why you didn't want to know me? What the hell, man? What the <laughs> fuck is wrong with you, dude? Like, fuck you. Uh, it's kind of crazy that he didn't throw the drink in his face at that point. Uh, Picard to Jack. But uh, yeah, I, I, I thought that was like, I was like, whoa, what? What happened here? Oh, damn. Yeah, I mean, and I, I think that that's that's like the growth of like Picard being like actually open to doing something like that. Like it, mm-hmm. it it took a lot for him to kind of be in that place. And I think similarly impressed with him saying like, I think I needed it because uh, like I, I don't know that that's something that we really see from Picard very much ever like him sort of putting or talking about his own feelings and things that he needs from other people. Mm hmm. I was going to say Picard um, Picard is still not reconciled with whatever happened with him in the last episode. And like, he's hurt, right? He's hurt mm-hmm. and, and he's not able to make sense of it. So, uh, and I think that part is understandable to me um, in, in his psyche and maybe taking a step back, I get the sense that the three of you really like this episode. I get the sense that the broader um, uh, Trek audience like this episode what surprise, are you about surprise. to do rudy <laughs> surprise surprise <laughs> the season's not doing it for me yet and i don't know if it's because i have this um i have the methodical and meticulous memories of how well not the memories the memories aren't methodical and meticulous but the methodical nature in which the tng crew attack problems and i remember seeing this when i was growing up 
uh, and they're all established. They're much smarter now because it's decades since. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, um, the show is, you know, understandably trying to sh- put them in positions of, uh, you know, exposure, weakness, real world problems, uh, uh, you know, unification with lost family members, uh, marital issues. And I do, uh, what I do like about this show is the great acting that Shaw and Riker bring forth. I really enjoy that, uh, especially Shaw. Um, and, and the rest, I think it's just, it's, it's hard to put together. Maybe I'll talk about it a little bit more when we go into specifics. Um, yeah, I, it, 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 it didn't click for me. See, I, so I don't know how much time you've spent with people who are, are in the later years of their life, but, um, I've spent a lot of time with that. I, you know, I'm a minister. I work in a church and churches are aging, you know, um, and I actually, I saw this with my own grandfather too. Um, how much reflection happens over things that they've experienced in the course of their life, especially relationships that they've had that makes them much more emotional than they ever were when they were younger. Um, like I remember just being surprised how many times I saw my grandfather's eyes kind of fill with tears. I'm like, what, what, who is this? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like just totally, you know, or, and I visit lots of people in the hospital. Um, and obviously when people are going or in the hospital and facing health crises, you know, that brings up stuff, but I mean, it's the men, especially that I see much more emotional than the women, um, because they're just facing this. Uh, breaking down of this tough exterior that they've tried to maintain for so long. So that's kind of what I see happening with a lot of the characters, with the TNG characters, especially in Picard, um, is just that they're, they're facing their mortality and in a real, not in a, oh my gosh, our ship's about to blow up kind of way, but in a, gosh, I am not young anymore. And there's been a whole lot of life that I've lived and, and how have I impacted this world? And how am I leaving this world? And, and so I see that being a big part of this season. And I think that's that's a noble way of, uh, you know, because I think a lot of us have, I've grown up, I'm sure a lot of people have grown old over the last 20 or 30 years watching TNG in their, you know, mid 30s or 40s. Um, the only call out I'll make is, I keep putting myself in the shoes of Shaw and the rest of the crew. And I just think like, what the heck? Yeah. Like, <laughs> But that's, I mean, that's exactly what we see in this episode, right? Like we see the crew kind of, and, and the past ones, but they're all giving these other people like these looks like, why the hell did you show up and like ruin our day? I think, I forget which one mm-hmm. of you raised a question about why that happened last week, but um, it happened because their friends died. And it was because of some disobeying orders and going and doing some crazy shit. And I think, I, I think yeah. for me, it's also, I think it's a reckoning for for Picard's entire life, right? Like it's a reckoning for mm-hmm. how he's lived in the fast and loose way that he's, and, and this is the first time in Star Trek we've got to deal with the fact that our like heroes kill people. <laughs> like the red shirts die. And like, we've always been like, ah, yeah. and next week we'll go on another adventure. Many more of you will die. And, and this is the first one. There were a couple of episodes in Voyager yeah. where they touched on this. But this is the first time where we've actually seen the lower decks. And throughout this episode, when they're in the crisis, we flash to the lower decks and we see them being like, 
we're worried. Yo, like you can imagine, right? Like in every yeah. episode of TNG of Orange and DS9, when they're like Cardassian ship is is like looming outside and firing on the on the Enterprise, and all our main characters on the bridge are like, we are brave. We are there's probably some guy in some the cell control room, like, I just came here to fix this. Please don't let me die. Like, you know, it's it's we've never seen that in Star Trek. And yeah. I think that's a piece that this episode gave us that I think is real special. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, I just uh, in my continuing like attempts at researching things that maybe will help me uh, as I watch the season, I just watched Nemesis uh, again, and that was uh, I, I felt a stark contrast there of like the the moment where the Enterprise E spoilers for Nemesis uh, crashes into the Scimitar and uh, on Picard's orders, and like uh, he probably killed like 200, 250 <laughs> people like in one in one go. And they are only sad when Data dies uh, at the end. Uh, and it's just, like, uh, I, I mean, I know that Data was definitely like closer to them and, or whatnot, but I, I expected there to be like a little bit more of like engaging with like, I just killed 250 or so people in order to like, I mean, yeah, it, we're, we're all in mortal danger and, and all that. Like, I know that he had to do that as a captain. Picard going to Den forward just, and some like officers being like, Sir, we're all grieving. Like, this is really sad. He's like, yes, I cared about Data, too. And they're like, no. <laughs> you don't see, like, 50 other coffins here. Like, <laughs> Anyway, keep going. Sorry, I interrupted yeah. you. Yeah. No, no. And, and, like, I, I think that the one other place where I remember really feeling that kind of, like, collateral damage or, like, feeling for the, the red shirts that Star Trek has done well, I think is, is Star Trek 2009, where we have that moment where, like, there there's the... Mm -hmm. um, the Narada is attacking and the, the bulkhead or the, the ship ship's hull uh, breaks open and someone gets sucked out. And we just like see them like in silence, just sort of like uh, being pu pulled out and, and killed. And it's just like that. So red shirts and, and all that are, are often dealt with just like, they're just cannon fodder or whatever in Star Trek for like storytelling reasons, but we we almost never deal with it. And I, so I think that's a great point and, that we're actually doing that this episode. And not just with this episode and the stuff I pointed out, I was hoping one of you would pick up on the thread on this, but since you didn't, I'm just going to jump in here. That's what Shaw was at Wolf 359, right? Yeah. We, we yeah. finally pick up on on that thread. We saw what happens to a command officer at Wolf 359 with Cisco and, and got a really great view in mm -hmm. DS9. But with Shaw, it's like yeah. we got a really visceral production of... And I mean, it is a produced story, right? You have like sound effects and you can like mm -hmm. hear the stuff that's going on in his head. And I mean, first of all, Todd, I think Stashwick, that's his name. Mm -hmm. um, just yeah. incredible performance in that. Like they picked a mm -hmm. fucking magnum oh my God, force yes. for like... To play Shaw and to hear the choices that have to be made in those situations where like and how that stays with you going forward I mean that was heavy yeah I think that was the best part of the episode for me um well when he was narrating it and he went down to the lieutenant picking numbers right you can yeah. really see yourself mm -hmm. immersed in there um I really liked that it was surprising Though I'll compare it with the conversation that Cisco had with Picard um, in the first episode, the mm -hmm. the, the <clears throat> pilot, right, for DS. I went back and watched mm -hmm. that. That, and again, maybe it's the actors um, and, and the qualities uh, therein, but there was a level of, I mean, I, they were not like 
being sucked into a gravity well at that time and all was not lost. But there was mm-hmm. a level of being able to communicate um, disappointment and, and anger uh, in a professional manner as compared to this guy here who came in and he was like, and, and I think that's what's happened with me in terms of looking at Riker and Shaw. They're really powerful actors, but they're both, they're both written as weak and trying to resolve problems. And people are, I mean, it's not like everybody can be like superhuman, but that's not reconciling mm-hmm. with me. And, and, and we'll see, we'll see as, as the season progresses, I'm in it for these two. Um, the rest is, is, um, well, yeah, um, the rest is all happening around us. And, and yeah, we didn't get to go to Wharf this time. <laughs> we didn't, we didn't. I think, you know, to, to, to address your, your concern, I think, I think there comes a time at which your people are fallible, right? And this is, again, the, the issue I had with the mm-hmm. West Wing is they took our perfect characters from season three and made them all fallible in, or in season four and made them all very fallible in season five, six, and seven. I didn't like that about the West Wing. I was like, you ruined what was good. And I think that's a valid complaint. Like, you don't want to see your, like, heroes struggling or whatever. And I think it's 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 something that, that can be hard to reconcile to. I think for me, I've, like, jumped on board the story and I think the premise has been a little bit easier for me to access, maybe because of some of the things that Emily shared. So, but I, I think that's fair. And we'll see where you end up in terms of how they, how where they take these characters at the end of this, right? Like, we've still got five episodes left. Like, it felt like this was a whole season almost. And Six, right? Don't we have six yeah, episodes? exactly, exactly. Well, well, it's, <laughs> yeah, because this was only, yeah. Four episodes, we basically got an entire, like, season's worth of, like, stuff um, in there. So, Speaking of which, I should mention, we should keep moving so we don't get stuck. Um, Riker tells, so another big question from last week, which all of you had, was why isn't Seven of Nine, like, doing stuff? Like, it's the obvious Mm -hmm. thing to reinstate her. And he's like, yeah, it's because you can operate with some impunity and get some information out of people to, to catch this changeling. And so we see Seven throughout the episode going around doing that. Um... I want to call out the conversation she has with Shaw, and maybe we can tackle both the conversations that she has with Shaw together. The mm-hmm. one in the middle, where they basically face their problems head on finally, and the one at the end, where she kind of gives him the what for. Yeah, I, uh, I, th- I thought it's 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 really interesting how they have developed that relationship because uh it it's probably easy for it to just turn into he's just an asshole and like doesn't ever see the the worth in her and is is whatnot but they were able to turn that into like it it's genuinely hard for him to maybe have attachments to anyone uh because of his uh his experience at wolf 359 but then like specifically like he knows that she's would be it would she would be like an effective commander but that he has a really hard time dealing with the fact that she is an ex-borg and it's just um and i mean we, we, we haven't like gotten into it like maybe we'll see more sort of nuanced discussion about it but it i i i could see um maybe he's even worried about her having like a Stockholm syndrome type thing of like taking, using her Borg name uh, as her, her real name and like wanting to like sort of stamp that out of her. But I, I just, it, it, it was a really interesting angle that they've developed between these two characters. If, 
I, I don't know if some of you have had this, but sometimes when you've had a particularly bad breakup or something, to use your ex's name again can be a little... It doesn't like make you stop in your tracks maybe mostly, but mm. it does give you a little bit of thought. So now imagine if all of your friends died and you have to use a Borg name. Um, that's yeah. going to give you a little bit of a flashback. So I can, I can, I think, I think they've done a good job of like giving us an explanation of what the hell happened with Shaw. Um, I really appreciated that Seven is now sick of his shit though, and like basically was mm-hmm. like calling him out. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I really, yeah, that yeah. that line of like she calls me that out of respect. Yeah, right. uh, and he's just like, <laughs> it was awesome. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. I also enjoyed Shaw's like the moment that he gave us where he's like, maybe I misunderstood you. And like, he, and it's like, that's right. how I know you were changed. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah, that's pretty good. It was beautiful. Um, what do you all think of? Well, you yeah. know, what's interesting. I just want to throw this out from they were at the they interviewed him for the ready room. And that's kind of the stuff he was talking about. He's like, Shaw picked her like like you as a mm-hmm. captain, you choose your first officer. So, um, and it's easy to forget that when we're watching because he's such an asshole. <laughs> you know, it's like, why would you pick her if you have this trauma and you have this inability to call her by her name? Um, but it, it was kind of like, um, he, the stuff that he said, that's how you know I was a changeling. He actually does think those things about her, but he would just never, ever say it to her is the feeling I got. Like he said, like he does think that she's competent yeah. and he does think that she's, cause that's why he chose her to be his first officer. So anyway. And that's, I mean, one thing he says specifically in the bar scene is that he, he's using his prickly demeanor to deflect away from his trauma. And that that's mm-hmm. his way of coping. Yeah. At, at some point, asshole became a substitute for charm. Yeah. I, I thought that was a great line uh, that helped like really, like highlight his character that's why he's been this way with seven i want to just throw a shout out again to jerry ryan who's killing it in my awesome. opinion with the acting in this episode yeah and oh my god season like i think mm-hmm. seven of nine has really come into our own with in a way mm-hmm. that i was desperate to have happened since the card started mm-hmm. and we saw flashes of it in both the previous seasons but this one is just really like all right i can see yeah. i can see her in the lead Fully of a series seven. series yeah 100 mm-hmm. percent, and it's what would you all think about the changeling stuff in this episode in terms of the bucket and the goop and whatnot? I mean, there's that little part of me that's like of of really the same bucket that Odo had, but <laughs> um but all the changelings do imitate the things that they see. And, you know, all of the a lot of the changelings probably weren't used to living at long intervals among solids. So obviously they would need a safe space that they can, cause they can't keep their form forever. So, you know, I can explain it away without being too annoyed by it or too like hitting on it too hard, you know? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think changeling LaForge got done in so easy. Um, the, the rogue faction would be very disappointed. <laughs> well, but the, the thing is also, I, I mean, I don't I don't know if this is going to be important, but it, it sort of like goes along with the like, no, you need to shoot him in the head twice kind of thing. Like I uh, they they have vaporized every single other changeling that we've killed so far. And we just let her uh, sort of like get shot once and then she stays solid, but has like white over her eyes like she could changeling that. Uh, interesting catch. So I. 
I, I don't I mean, maybe we, maybe that's just like an oversight and we just or we, we wanted to make it look more horrifying or something. But it's just like because right. uh, it looks like she looks kind of deflated. It's kind of weird the way they make her look. They make it look as though yeah. there's also like a, almost like a rubber skin suit that was left behind. It's kind of what like the effect that it has. Yeah. It's weird. It's which, which I mean, I'll, uh, I, I, I mean, since we're, we you talked about the challenging stuff, I, I think we can also uh, talk about Vatic. Uh, is I th- I don't know. I'm starting to think there might be something else weird going. On. I mean, obviously, yes, it's weird that she can cut off her hand and then like talk to her hand and or, or whatever. But like, I'm wondering if we are like doing a a, a conspiracy bug type thing. No, I'm wondering if there's going to be some sort of marriage between the two. I don't know. She's clearly it, like, the, terrified. The, she I mean, yeah. she is terrified. She is not working for herself. Like she yeah, is and, and reporting that, to someone else. And... The the skull or whatever the thing was that she was talking to, like it didn't look like it was like mimicking what we've ever seen founders look like. And the some even though the the shapes are different, it feels like a similar like color scheme and it like and at least like menace to it of the mother creature that was in that uh that was in the chest cavity of that uh that random like commander or whatever that was in the episode of conspiracy mm-hmm. and, and so like i don't know if they're actually doing that but it's just like maybe they're doing something like that i don't know it like yeah so there's there's something weird with the changelings i, I don't think it's literally just like they're changeling terrorists and like that's so it. Were... let's put money down how many of us think still that there is a conspiracy <laughs> bug thing that will manifest at the end of this uh, season? two bars of gold press latinum <laughs> <laughs> i will go with the uh, one ounce of a strip. <laughs> it, it dropped a lot for me this this episode, but um, I'll keep my hopes up. Yeah, I think for me, it's like a hope. Like, I really want them to go there, but I don't think they are mm. going to. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the front of the strike still has that shape. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll say this. So there were a few things in this episode I bumped on. One of them was this interdimensional communication daily with like cutting off your own arm cool visual don't get me wrong looks great but like how does that work like changelings do we know if the great link allows transfer communication over great distances is that like a ds9 thing i don't remember now well it looked like before before talking about the link it looked like the changeling that was pissed off the one that materialized right or whatever Mm -hmm. the image they were undergoing some major disintegration, so it sounds like people have been away from the 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 Great Lake for too long. So uh, maybe that's what's mm. driving their their frustration, their urgency. And mm. I I recall like there being a lot of fear, not within the changelings, but with the races that were sort of like you know uh, controlled by the changelings, uh, changelings in the Dominion War. So. I'm guessing that same fear exists within the rogue faction. Like it's very authoritarian, and if you screw yeah. up, uh, you you got nowhere to go, right? So I I think you you do have something there of that they have mentioned like how long has it been since you've been with a great link? So I uh, there could be like a deterioration thing happening. I also wonder if like Vatic isn't a changeling and just has like a changeling hand. No, I, I didn't necessarily think it was her whole hand. I felt like it was something that was attached to yeah. her that, i don't know like i i wasn't hmm. 
I didn't really think it was her cutting off her entire hand and then her hand turned into the thing. I don't know. I could be wrong. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll find out about this, right? Like, she seemed very, like, scared of whoever was on the other side. And this person was like, we don't care about you. You can die. Your crew can die. Your ship can die. Everyone can die. It doesn't matter. And she's like, oh, okay. All right. No problem. Sounds good, champ. And um, ejected the friggin' portal device outside the cloud she was like yeah you know this thing that everyone thinks is super important out it flies and then they went back in um to chase after the titan so and and the other thing we learned in this conversation and this whole vatic sequence was that there's something to do with jack crusher that might be slightly important right and that's not necessarily having anything to do with picard yeah because I know some yeah. people are still thinking it has to do with Picard. I really don't think it does. I think it's a coincidence. Like, but it's um, but clearly Jack Crusher is. So that also makes me think they're never going to destroy the Titan as long as Jack Crusher. Have we on considered the Titan. that Beverly didn't sleep with Picard but slept with a changeling looking like Picard, and so he's half changeling? Oh my god, that's such a good plot. (laughs) (laughs) And then the changeling imitated Beverly and slept with the car. So they both think that they slept together, but they didn't. (laughs) You're greenlit. You have your own show. Thank you. Thanks, Alex. Appreciate it. Long time listener, (laughs) first time caller. Appreciate it. Um, Anyway, so so Vatic goes into the, the thing. Now, before we get to what happens to Vatic in the, in the Nebula Cloud, we need to talk about a few other things that we've missed so far. Number one, Beverly's been counting the contractions of the cloud. Mm-hmm. Now, this whole thing of it's a birth sack came out of nowhere for me. And it was one of the other things that I bumped on. I'll be quite honest with you. Like, not the sequence later, but the whole idea that they just happened to, like, wander into a living being's, like, birth sack was a little strange. But they've been talking about the biological readings the whole time. Yes. Like, we've always known yeah. there was a biological component to this nebula. So, so I, it didn't bump, I didn't bump on it too much because it just, it felt like this is what they were kind of hinting okay. at the whole time, that somehow they were inside a creature. Yeah. I, I even I was frustrated that I hadn't like said it out loud. I was, uh, but I was thinking uh, last week. I was like, oh, we're saying lo- lots of like biological signals. Like, are we going to do a Farpoint or something? <laughs> when they mentioned <laughs> it this episode. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, I, I think I think it's true that we've seen this in other Star Trek. So like, it's true. It's just I just was like, I don't know. It just was kind of weird, I guess, for me. It's like no. A, I mean, it was it was just so that uh, Beverly could say to seek out new life. Uh, we're like, yeah, that's the intro. It worked. It, it worked. It worked. And so uh, maybe I'll just I'll just let this one go. And then, so Beverly, I think, I I was throughout the episode. I was like, tell somebody. Like, why are you keep counting? Like, tell us. We want to know. And it was kind of cool to get her again. Like, you all touched on this. We're finally getting Beverly like critically into the plot. The other thing she demonstrated mm-hmm. is, is that she's not telling everybody everything all at once. So is there something else in her brain? Does she know about the stuff that Jack is facing? Does she know more about this whole changeling Vatic situation than she's let on? She's still I not trusting be. people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I think be. she knows that tre- that changelings are part of this because like she like she has well, she like makes sure to go and like vaporize them and, and stuff like that. Like. Except yeah. Jack seems surprised, like, or or but, he, but or at least she he like, knows she that he's him th- out. That's true. 
Because he's like, I, I, so that I was the first thing he wanted to communicate when something. he came back to consciousness. Yeah. That was the first thing he communicated was, oh my God, there's a changeling on board, you know? But yeah, so. yeah, you're yeah. right, Adam. He, <clears throat> she locked him in his room. Yeah. Was that because she knows something yeah. about him? Ah, oh, man. Damn. Because also, yeah. and clearly she knew she had to issue a kill shot. Um, like yeah. she couldn't just trust that that thing was going to be dead. Like she wanted it vaporized. So there was no yeah. chance that it could come back to, you know, wreak havoc. So she, yeah, she has some knowledge of something. Yeah. Interesting. 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 So Beverly, I think got some good moments in the show as well. That was really terrific. And then we also get a lot of good sequences with, we talked about the Picard and Jack piece, but we also get a lot of good sequences of Jack. We, we didn't really touch more on Jack's like curiosity about Jack Crusher. Like, why do you get named named after me? And then Picard's story mm-hmm. um, around that, um, where, where Picard talks about navigating blind through a nebula. It was a little bit of a deus ex machina, right? Like... Oh, this dude has this previous experience. Like, we've never seen it before, but it's there. So, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, it's going to be tough for me because I'm already biased about this episode. I felt there was a lot of convenient clicks in plot that happened throughout. Um, This was one of them. I did like... um, I did like Picard, um, you know flying the, the the Enterprise um, and avoiding the asteroids and that touch at the end where Jack kind of helped out and was like, no, trust me, four more seconds or something like that. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, it uh, I wouldn't say it's convenient. Uh, it was nice to have and I can't say that they haven't done it before. Uh, maybe I was already uh, very focused at, at plot holes. So this, this looks like out. a situation we faced on Narada 4. <laughs> right um yeah i i think i think it was an interesting again blast from the past on tng dealing with the whole jack crusher thing which i don't think has been dealt with much enough for like picard's best mm-hmm. friend we barely heard about him through the whole run of that show so it's nice to bring the old jack crusher back a little bit i hope we get some like I was like, why don't we get a flashback to the, the actual, like, shuttle mission? Like, I want to see Jack Crusher. I want to see P- young Picard and Jack Crusher, like, having some fun. But anyway, we also got Picard warning the new Jack Crusher about his hair, which was hilarious. <laughs> that was and that, that ties up yeah. the... Which is, is maybe... Maybe that's why he's 23, is so that it's plausible that he's going to lose <laughs> his hair uh, and and not 34 with a... Full, with a obviously full head of hair <laughs> that's somehow going to when he's 45 disappear entirely <laughs> this is also so there's a loose end from the fact that which is the episode where picard gets stabbed in the heart oh, oh ta- ha- tapestry tapestry the mm-hmm. the actor who plays a young picard before they show or patrick stewart as young picard has it hair has hair yeah. so which of course yeah. now conflicts with the whole nemesis picture where they show a picture of uh, Tom Hardy yeah, that was with so dumb. no hair. Very stupid. Put, yeah, that give was Tom dumb. Hardy I thought, a, a, I a wig. That was it dumb. was a tiny picture. <laughs> yeah, we we didn't need to have him. Yeah. yeah. The audience would have been too dumb and be like, you remember this guy? We were like, who are they showing the picture of? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> so so, so that, was, that was a cute little moment. A lot of great little lines in this show, right? We touched on the respect one. We touched on the one with um, 
the hair, the dipshit from Chicago. I can't like not touch on dipshit from Chicago. <laughs> I also like that that like all the elements in the show all came together really nicely in the end mm-hmm. for me. Like they they mm-hmm. they give us many little threads that all came together. Like you, that piece where Shaw says I was just a grease monkey in engineering. I was like ah, that's just a little bit of background on the guy. Well, it turns out it's super relevant to the plot later. Right. So that was kind of fun. I think yeah. the writers did well on that that front, in my opinion. Yeah. I think the one 100%. big piece that we haven't talked about yet, though, is so Beverly tells Picard it's contractions, and then Picard, Beverly, and Jack kind of scheme and come up with this idea, and then they take it to Riker, and Riker's like mm-hmm. super hesitant about the whole thing. Yeah, and I think that gets into the what Emily's been talking about is like he has this kind of like protectionist approach to to yeah. captaining at the moment. Uh, which kind of gets into like he he's afraid of dying. Uh, I think Riker? to some degree, and yeah, Riker is. But I think he also wants because to it, die. Yeah, yeah, but it, it's it's like he he doesn't since he he's not he doesn't think there's anything afterward. He's he's got this like right. he's like playing with that trepidation to right. some degree. Because uh, I felt like and, there, it didn't make any. Sorry to interrupt you. I just want to say because I the thing that bumped for me was I didn't find any. I'm like, why the hell are you not jumping all over this thing that they have explained perfectly mm-hmm. how you all can get out of this situation? And you're like, oh, I don't think so. And that's when I turned to Travis and said, I think he's suicidal. Like, I think he's, I think there's something yeah. going on deep yeah. down inside of him that he can't, he's having a hard time snapping out of that. And eventually he does. But anyway, sorry, I didn't yeah. mention it. I just had to throw, throw that No, out. no, no. <clears throat> but no, I, I bumped on that too. I, it felt very out of character for Riker not to take it. I think they could have done a better job of bringing us along for that ride. But I don't think they quite got me there. I'm, I, I, at the end of the day, I think the rest of the episode for me was good enough where I could ignore it. But just FYI. This sh- yeah, go ahead, Rudy. No, I, I, I agree with you. I think, and this is something I've been trying to ra- uh, you know rationalize from the beginning of this season... Uh, they did play around with Crusher, Jack Crusher being aloof for like a little bit, right? Uh, one episode, mm-hmm. one and a half episode. And then every other plot line has been about protecting um, Bever- both the Crushers and then Picard mm-hmm. to some extent. So it's basically them versus everything else, right? Like whether it's Shaw or um, Riker or, you know, the true antagonist. So at, at if if you're sold into that side of things, right? You're backing Picard, you're backing Crushers, you're glad that they're back together, and then it then you're with them on that journey, and and maybe it makes a little more sense. I, on the other hand, have been, you know, I found Shaw very interesting. I found Riker's acting like really powerful throughout. Um, so I'm having a hard time, like, like yeah, you you can't be unsure here, but I think you're you're you know, suicidal mindset explanation, Emily, could make sense um, because that's how those people may come across to us when, you know, we talk to people in reality and, and, and they're not quite themselves and, and maybe maybe I'm dealing with that uh, uh, that confusion. You also have to remember, I think, that Riker has been off duty for a few years. Like, he hasn't, he hasn't been in mm-hmm. the chair. He hasn't been making those decisions for a few years. And so it that might just be a little bit of like remembering how to be decisive. Um, mm-hmm. That goes there as well. So that, that's the way I explain it to myself. Um, a couple of other things I bumped on before we end with a happy note. The whole 
Picard and Rue 7 going and recruiting Shaw with the dipshit from Chicago line was a little like extra for me like I I it was just I think the the writing in the back back quarter of this episode was just a little like extra and where I was like it felt like the writers were like giving me a little knock in the ribs every few minutes and I was like yo guys I get it like this is cool like you don't have to go quite so like in deep I it, for me, it, it almost felt like an accidental bit of misdirection because I had a moment where he's like, uh, Shaw almost looked surprised that he said dipshit from Chicago. And like, oh, shit, is Shaw a changeling yeah. <laughs> right now? But the, no, 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 he's he's not. See, how I took it was um, Picard just had to sit there and take this whole thing from mm-hmm. Shaw about what happened when he was Locutus, which is so unfair i totally understand people being angry because they lost friends and they love but like it was not picard that did it like so i'm always like while i understand i totally understand i always really feel for 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 picard in those moments Mm -hmm. um because because he did that was against his will i mean that was someone being like violated more than we could imagine being forced to do something that they had no control over anyway but so that's that's a delicious thing Picard. about wolf 359 right nobody was wrong yeah. nobody's right and right, there's a lot right, of tragedy right. all around and like yeah right. uh, but i think him going to him and saying that dipshit from chicago was his kind of way of like you know what i sat there and took that and i just have to give you a little f you but that's um, kind of harsh <laughs> when the guy lost like 10 of his friends in the, like, no but not but but yeah. that's why but it's kind of a funny tongue-in-cheek dipshit from chicago and it, i feel like it's yeah. a way to be like like to just you know anyway so i didn't <clears throat> i yeah. didn't it didn't bump me in the same I, way i would have been disappointed if they used austin instead of chicago notch so i get it um like why, why are they hitting on the city <laughs> I, I mean the use shaw is probably a suburb from the suburbs in like buffalo grove or something anyway he's not like actually from chicago yeah. i'm just a dipshit from yeah, buffalo exactly. grove. winfield or something i don't know <laughs> Uh, anyway, well, um, I, but speaking of schmucky lines, I freaking love the, you know, once the, once the, the creatures start hatching and Beverly is all like, to seek out new life and Riker's like, let's boldly get the hell out of here. <laughs> that was so good. I fucking love that. Um, yeah. But we haven't yeah. touched on Riker's little gambit. So, okay. So we, 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 they convince Riker to like do the thing and he finally comes around, which is, I think, I think addresses some of our concerns with Riker's hesitation. But then he comes around, they do it. And we get this moment where though all those creatures are hatching around them. Or, or rather, they're, they're, they're flying on the wave mm-hmm. and they start mm-hmm. seeing Vatic's ship. And that's where Riker tows an asteroid and like flings it at Vatic. What was your reaction to that one? It was amazing. It was, it was, yeah, it was, it was a, a beautiful way to connect to like the, oh my God, why did they, or they did that uh, in like that, uh, was that the second episode? So I thought it was a great way to like resolve that. Like, like oh yeah, just I can throw things right too. <laughs> Was it? What? You know where they took that from, right? You know where they took that from, right? Um, I forgot the name of the movie, but it's with uh, it's that guy from uh, Home Improvement, right? Um, you forgot Galaxy the Quest? name of Galaxy Quest, <laughs> <laughs> and you I'm called it the mines. one with the, the movie with that guy from Home Improvement. Well, I called, didn't I call, um, uh, never mind. Let it go. By Grabthar's hammer. What a, what a, what a, what a missed opportunity or whatever. Anyway, 
Um, yeah, they, they, in that movie, they tow the missiles and then like, uh, yeah, it's mines. Yeah, the mines. Mine, yeah. No, I thought it was great. I think I think it's now the open question is what what of Vatic and the Shrike, right? Like it's just disabled dead in the water. Like, are we gonna see them again? Like, what happened? Nobody knows. So it's gonna be interesting to see. They'll, they'll go they'll go the way of the Borgati, and we'll just never talk about them ever yeah. again. Yeah. <laughs> also, we did get a reference from Shark to the real Borg are still out there. Uh huh. Oh and yeah. So uh, is some some interesting breadcrumbs being dropped for the future there. Yeah. I was gonna say what happened after they escaped, you know, and then uh, Riker and Deanna are talking to each other. I just want to mention this really quick. I was really glad for that because I was really irritated with how Deanna was portrayed in the, in last week's episode. Um, mm-hmm. Just whiny and complaining about yeah, the Maggie. baby spitting up or pooping. And I, it just, yeah, yeah. it was such a disservice after how amazing she was in the Pente. And so um, I was really glad that they, you know, mm-hmm. that I, I don't know. Anyway, I just thought the way she was portrayed in this episode was great. Yeah, I've, I was I've got high hopes it. for when she shows up <laughs> later. Been great yeah. Beverly was like, you know what Deanna would say right now? I sense anger. (laughs) 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 It was, I I mean, it's either that or something about chocolate. (laughs) But then, so then the other thing I'm going to mention, I don't know if we want to get towards the end, but I'm just going to mention this because this was, well, pretty close, almost the last part of the episode. There was one small thing after this, but um, when Picard, in the midst of all of this happy, glowy creature, we escape from this thing, Mm -hmm. let's have some relief. Picard realizes why it was that Jack knew that story. Um, And that is like, like an Adam texted me. I'm totally going to rob this from you, Adam. But, you know, so he, I don't have it in front of me. So, you know, but the line about um, Starfleet is my, is the only family I'll ever need or something. How normally that's a line. We'd be like, yeah, Starfleet, you know, we're all, we're all good family. And it is an utterly devastating line. If you're sitting where Jack was sitting when that, you know, I mean, cause it was Jack. Cause then you just realized Jack went there with this hopeful, I'm going to meet my father and then found out his father has no interest in having any life outside of it, which is sad because if he knew Jack existed, probably he wouldn't have said that. So there's just a whole lot of levels of devastation that happened in that moment. It 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 was was really good face acting. Like no words were said. It was just that. And and, and also, and then like connecting in the bridge also that like, they're like both thinking about that. I'm just like, Oh my yeah, God. So that is, like, I, I was so impressed with the writers at that moment. Yes. And then, and then even further, cause, and that's the, like, and you get hints of this earlier. Jack is not as aloof as he's trying to be. He, he needs this connection with Picard more than he wants to let on to. He's like, this isn't important to me, but he, it is important to him. And you see some of that wrestling coming out in that very last moment when he's washing his face. And I don't know what the hell's happening. Um, inside of him but clearly there's there's other stuff happening and there are i I don't know if it's some sort of alien possession or or what it is that's going on but um and he's so he's wrestling with that too yeah he's species 8472 (gasps) Uh, (laughs) all of them we're gonna have all of them (laughs) (laughs) i i don't know i i think i think they should have given us that piece of info with Jack Crusher at the bar a little bit earlier. Like that reveal just didn't work for me. It was a little 
I was I was oh. not there with you guys. Disagree. Hard disagree. I, was, hard disagree. I was not there with you guys on that. I was just like, this is yeah. really convenient. I told like you, Adam. I told you. It's, too it's like the best moment Star Trek's ever yeah. done. I, I, <laughs> I said, it's like I said, not George, George Kirk and this one are right, right, right next to each other. <laughs> I, I, hey, I still like. You'll see. I enjoyed this episode a lot. I just wasn't there with that one. That one was just like one Deus Ex Machina a little too far for me, where I was just like. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know if there was some like, I expected weird... this from you, Notch, but Rudy, I have to say, I'm pretty surprised with you. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till my rating. I know. Oh gosh. Yeah. So oof, oof, oof. I think, I think we we're coming to the end here. So let's just talk about one other thing, which is that Jack, the scene at the end, we got this two episodes ago where he saw seven of nine and that weird red organic looking shape. And then the door opening and some warning mm. of, my mind went to Mass Effect, right? Like the vision that Commander Shepard gets in the first, like, major sequence in the first Mass Effect game has this kind of thing where the, the Protheans are sending this, like, warning yeah. of, like, death and destruction. That's kind of what it seemed like Jack was getting. It, yeah, it, it even, like, looked similar of, like, red imagery and, like, a city that's maybe being destroyed or something. And, yeah. Yeah. It's... it's very odd and there are some people who has who have some pretty interesting theories like is it the power rates are they back is it something else i've heard that too uh is is jack a founder is he the new emissary like what's what's going on um like what what transmission is he getting any theories it doesn't look pleasant for sure right like Mm -mm. it looks Evil yeah. and nasty and Hellraiser kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah, it's not something he's happy about or feels good about. No. So, and, and did you all get the parallel of that scene too from the cinematic standpoint? Meaning, no. I, I mean, I, I know that the same thing happened last episode, but you're probably talking about no, the like going to the sink, taking the water, splashing it on your face, coming oh, up, from first looking contact. in the mirror, and then like, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not an accident. Like, it, even the sink looks very similar to the one that they right. had in first contact. Like, it, it's an incredible callback, and I freaking loved it. Um, well, and do you they like? I would have never thought this had I not seen him in the context of Picard. But I can totally see how he's Beverly and Jean Luc's son. To, they've yeah, just I, done there I are little things well. he's done yeah. that it, anyway it's good casting so um last thing i'll say is there were quite a few music callbacks to, to all of the mm-hmm. like tng and greater star trek movies throughout this episode as well as adam said this is one of the best star trek movies so far and they really like dug deep for that i think i, I don't know if you guys say, think this but like jerry goldsmith scores feel like star trek to me so as much as russo and these other guys try very hard to give a new feel to the music in star trek there's there's something very very comfortable about a jerry goldsmith Mm -hmm. score it just immediately feels like star trek kind of like i don't know if you guys got this as well when when jack is having his first vision two episodes ago and they have that sequence where you like see him looking up at like a blurry seven that looked like a voyager Mm -hmm. shot from like Mm -hmm. brandon braga or something like that like that was like a it, it was like filmed very much in that kind of framing and and we've seen that shot before in voyager many times yeah interesting so anyway 
Well, let's go with strange new ratings. Um, I would say let's stick our necks out, but some of you have no necks to stick out left, so you can just go and give us a rating, and then okay, I, I I'll just I'll just do it. Uh, my rating is a ten. Uh, amazing. Okay. Yep. Yep. Mine's five out of five. Same. I think we're giving our top ratings a little too easily. No. But like, no. I, I like, I think, I think this is getting to the net promoter score problem, where a nine and a ten are good, and one to eight are like the worst things in the entire world that you could do to somebody. Where it's like, you give an Uber driver anything less than a five star, it's like, why are you making him and his children starve? Because he's never. I think gonna we're work just again. seeing the family allegiances coming out in the scores. <laughs> We've got two families represented here. No, no, it's all. I, I don't think so. I, th I thought this was. An, excellent episode i thought it was really really freaking good probably one of the best in star trek but if it, if it has to get i think i try to reserve my tens for like just the the best episode of star like, trek like ever, like the like one where the bugato bugato <laughs> like god you know see i don't trust see? your scoring <laughs> uh i'm gonna give this an 8.5 out of 10 very, very good episode. I will go back to it frequently and enjoy it again. The acting, <laughs> stellar. But there were a few things I bumped on. Fair enough. Now, see, I wanted to go first so I could stick my neck out, get beheaded, and then y'all could <laughs> no. raise the average. But you were so keen to go first. Um, so I have a lot of issues or worries. Um, my main worry is um, that I don't remember names of movies. Um, and, and I need to, I need to, I need to figure that out. But, um, my second worry is I'm, I don't know if I'm fading from Trek. So guys help me here. Like I, I want to continue to be a strong fan, but I've been watching stuff, um, that was kind of, you know, 20 years ago. So I'm rewatching BSG. I've been watching watch shows like Andor that have come out recently. And I feel like. You know, things like complexities of command and people growing old and difficulties, all of those, there's, I get the premise. I just feel that a lot of the stuff here is very quick and convenient and put together. Um, so it, it's not, it's not sticking with me yet. Um, I think, I think there's potential, right? Like the whole changeling story, the actor, uh, the actors in, in, uh, in Shaw and, and Riker are doing a great job. I just hope they don't put too much uh, protective uh, plots around the Crushers and Picard. I think the whole the whole season, the whole series has been very protective of of Picard and and uh, Patrick Stewart. Um, so yeah, I, I will give this. I start off with with a low rating in my mind, and then I have this wonderful conversation with you guys. So I will give this a seven. Um, <laughs> Seven forgotten sci-fi movies, um, which had that guy from Home Improvement, that lady from Aliens, and that dude from Harry Potter. Right? That's awesome, Rudy. Yeah. And no, I you know I I am I'm perfectly okay with some disagreement though. I like I like that it makes us think critically about the shit we're watching. So it's good. Like, please never feel like you have to. I mean, look at me with Discovery, right? Like, I don't. I clearly, I don't have a filter. Um, it's it's okay, and I think I I was where you are now. I think I was there before we got Prodigy and Strange New Worlds, where I was very skeptical of whether Star Trek was gonna stick with it for me, whether it was just losing what made it mm -hmm. special in my mind. 
And I think some of it has to be with complexities of where and how we receive it as well. Like if we're in a, like, I can, I mean, I, I have a hypothesis that if I watch the same episode in two radically different places in my life and in my, like, whatever, even like something like if I've eaten dinner or not, you know, or if I'm feeling rushed watching it, that I would receive it in very different ways. Obviously, no, no way to test that, right? You only watch an episode for the first time once. But I've seen it where, like, sometimes an episode that everyone else is like, wow, this was great. And I've watched it because I had to, like, force myself to watch it, like, for quickly before podcast or to feel rushed. Doesn't feel as good. It doesn't. Or even if I watch it when I'm, like, tired or, like, I've had a bad day. Um, and I'm not saying those are things that are coloring your opinion. I'm just saying, like, the, it, there could be. <laughs> no, for real. That was, that was just me giving an example <laughs> how I know perception can be We're different, just angry. right? Uh, on different times and so all i'm saying is that there could be just it could have nothing to do with star trek even it could have something to do with just something else like maybe you're just in a bsg based mindset or a star wars based mindset that's happened to me where sometimes i watch some star wars stuff i'm like why isn't this just the fucking mandalorian like why are we watching them do this burn shit when it could just be the mandalorian in the post burn times you know like uh and and so 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 I think there's there's stuff there and you should stay open to it and it's okay to like be like this is not doing it for me. I'm very happy with um Strange New Worlds Lower Decks and I'm reasonably happy with Prodigy. Uh I worry that I I feel that Picard will be a discovery for me. We'll see. Well, it's not going to be cuz it's going to be over in six episodes, so <laughs> that's the thing right like and as, that's true. As, i mean and you are enjoying the shows i think that are closest to old star trek in their mm. conception and chafing on the ones that have this newer feel both to the writing and to the characters right like yeah i think that's a fair assessment I, I i don't know picard was kind of i have i i think my challenge has really been how does this season make any sense in the context of the other two? Like, there's no connection between the three in my mind. Like, it's very hard for me to reconcile yeah, the I've, three seasons of Picard. Does unless, like, the Morgani come back. I I think that probably... I, w I don't think I would recommend anyone watch the first two seasons. And uh, you don't need to. <clears throat> yeah. I, I didn't mind the second season. I think a lot of it, like I, I received well, like it was kind of cool for its moments, but it just didn't, they didn't stick the landing uh, as well. Yeah. And we had so many compelling characters that got left behind. Like Girardi mm. was cool. Uh, Elnor, it's okay, but it's good. I like Lord of the Rings too. Yeah. Great... It's kind of strange uh... that they just like <laughs> got him out of the show completely. Rios was, I think one That's of the great. most compelling yeah. characters got left yep. behind. <clears throat> Literally. Yeah. yeah. Which is a huge oversight in my mind, but at least they've used this whole Mariposa's concept with Beverly and Jack. Um, so mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I, I, I would I sh I would share your skepticism, but they've done such a great job for me in these last four episodes that I'm feeling like at least this this season will will get me to where I'm a very happy fan with how we end the story. But we'll see, right? We didn't get any Worf and J J Rafi this episode, so we. But it's gonna be Worf and Rafi heavy next episode, I think. Ah. I saw a clip from the next episode. So. Looking nice. forward to that. Yeah, you enjoyed that, so we'll see. Maybe next week, Rudy will be like, this is the best series in the world. Like, I enjoy this so much. 
And that's the other thing, like Worf, who had to deal with so much of his trauma in TNG, seems like the most centered of all of our characters that we've mm-hmm. seen so far. Worf was forced to confront things a little Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, Adam. Thank you, Emily. Thank you, Rudy, for spending time with me talking about this episode. I'm sure as you were, I was very excited to talk about it with you as well. So thanks for making time for that. And thank you, Nash. Of course, thank you, dear listener, for making us a part of your listening rotation for the week. Thank you, Jishin Gua, for recording our theme music. We always appreciate you starting away at the Klingon theme, even though the actual Klingon theme is now playing in some of our episodes. And special thanks this week to all the dipshits from Chicago. Because without them, we wouldn't have the Titans surviving to fight another day. All right, everybody. Take it easy. See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.